Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. So the nominees for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role are Joan Allen in The Contender, Juliette Binoche in Chocolat, Ellen Burstyn in Requiem for a Dream, Laura Linney in You Can Count on Me, Julia Roberts in Ellen Brockovich. And the Oscar goes to Julia Roberts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today I am joined by a guest that's previously been on the show, always love having her, uh, Dina Jackson. You can find Dina Jackson online at uh, Action D Jack. Uh, she's a comedian. Uh, she is a speaker. She had a TED Talk. Uh, she has a yoga class sometimes when the world is not uh, ending that we, the comedians, like to attend. Uh, Dina Jackson, welcome. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Happy well, of to course, be I'm here. so happy. <laughs> of course, we have to do this uh, uh, through uh, online instead of being face to face because you know Toronto, we're back into another lockdown. How is the second locking lockdown going for you? Well, you know, I haven't completely gone insane, but I'm on my way. I think a lot of us are starting to <laughs> unravel. I'm really starting to unravel. Yeah, it'll be, we'll be full Ellen Burstyn Requiem for a Dream. Like, that's our journey right now. That's our exactly. COVID journey. <laughs> yeah, we, we know when we've peaked her, you know, when we're right, like, I think in the next, another month or so, just not going outdoors at all, we'll get there. <laughs> well, okay. it's interesting because they said that they had, they're like, they're slowly starting to implement the vaccines. Yeah. And it's yeah. like a two-part situation, like a two-part vaccine and of course, it's going to like hot, like the people that need it most. So I'm assuming like elderly people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So this might not be that much longer. Yeah, I mean, um, Trudeau said he was estimating by September that 50% of the population would have it. And you're right, they are putting the um, elderly first and healthcare professionals first. But I don't know who decides like who else is getting it and then who's not going to take it just because they don't want (laughs) to take it and then also where are they going to store it like do they have like it has to be really it has to be kept really cold from what i understand so like how many fridges do they have like what's going on what is the plan (laughs) what is happening i don't know i still think it'll be a while but isn't it something outrageous like it's like it has to be in like minus 90 or something yeah i think you're right i don't know the number i'm not a, i'm not a scientist um i don't want to <laughs> fool anyone on here i'm not a science i don't know anything about science at all other than what i've heard on the news so um yeah but i do i do know that it's supposed to be cold so that's all i know i'm thinking well, freezing know. Well, that's okay. Listen, I mean, I don't know anything about movies, and I'm hosting a movie podcast, so it's all good. But I feel like you've you've probably become quite the expert now. Like you've done enough of these that people are looking to you and listening. And I mean, how how does someone become a movie expert? They just watch the movies. Anyone, I, right? 
I think it's whoever is just the most confident, I guess, is, yeah. is how it goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this year is uh, like gay royalty. This is Julia Roberts winning for Aaron Brockovich. This is a very interesting year because every single performance and every single nominee was like super, super, super different. And um, it is actually kind of interesting how they picked Julia Roberts. But, you know, at this point, I think she had been nominated like twice before for Pretty Woman and for Steel Magnolias. So maybe they felt like it was like time. Like, I don't know. But um, before we get in, all, into all of that, so uh, best picture went to Gladiator. Best actor went to Russell Crowe, which by the way, Russell Crowe was such a fucking babe in that movie. Yeah. Best director went to Steven Soderbergh for Traffic. Um, best supporting actor went to Benicio Del Toro and best supporting actress went to Marsha Gay Harden. So um, first thing about these nominees is that Juliette Binoche okay so she had already previously won an Oscar for The English Patient Ellen Burstyn won for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore and actually it's a very similar sort of character to Aaron Brockovich um, um, and they often compare those those two roles very similarly Um Laura Linney in You Can Count On Me. Listen, I, I don't... <laughs> there are so many things to... Like, we'll get into it, but, like, it's a very Laura Linney kind of role. Let's just oh, say that. totally, totally. Um, Joan <laughs> Allen in The Contender. Uh, Joan Allen... I'm actually not as familiar with Joan Allen's work, but, um, you know, very interesting movie. So why don't we just start... Why don't we just start with Joan Allen in The Contender? So this movie is sort of like the Kamala Harris, like, before Kamala Harris story. So it's basically um, the president, uh, Jeff Bridges, who, uh, by the way, Barack Obama said that his favorite portrayal of any president in any movie was Jeff Bridges in The Contender, which is very interesting. Hmm. And uh, he has to select, uh, nominate an, of somebody to be his vice president, and he selects... Um, a female uh, nominee, uh, Joan Allen. And um, this movie was, <laughs> I think, like, probably, like, really groundbreaking for the time. And some of it still holds up. Um, but there were so many problematic things in this movie. Oh, so many. I like. I. I don't know. I want to. I want to hear where you're going to start. I really want to <laughs> know where you're going to lead with this. Well, okay. Uh, oh well. Uh, compliments to Gary Oldman. Uh, I did not. It took me like a minute to recognize him. He's kind of oh, like yeah. the. Yeah, he's like the villain in this. Who's trying to like do a smear campaign against Joe Joan Allen. Um, so basically, the whole controversy of why Joan Allen's character might lose the vice presidency nomination is because she allegedly was in a frat like like 12 person gangbang mm -hmm. and they were accusing that it was her and that like they there was eyewitnesses saying that she was quote covered in cum uh which when i heard that i was like well i have more respect for you um <laughs> and she she refused to answer or um, dignify any of the uh, speculations or accusations that it was her in this gangbang because she said that she had too much dignity. Um, and 
the thing that I found kind of confusing about it is like, if it is Joan Allen's character, if it was her when she was 19 years old in this like gangbang, like why is she so shocked by it that it came back to haunt her in a political capacity when she was already a state senator? Yeah. It's like, did yeah. you really think that something like that would not come back to haunt you? <laughs> like, yeah. But also like in the alleged gangbang, like why did it not even come up the whole conversation around it being rape? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like there's like, I don't know. I mean, obviously things have obviously transgressed in the last 20 years, like you said, in terms of consent and things like that. So you want to be mindful of that. But like, it's just to me, it was like, how is it? How is she taking full ownership of this? Like, it's just completely weighed over her head. Like, there was so much (laughs) misogyny in this movie. Like, I could not watch. It was so bad. Like, it was so bad. And I was like, I can't believe that this is, I mean, there obviously has been a lot of change in the last 20 years. It was obviously so white, so misogynist, like so, Mm -hmm. and I, but I don't know. I mean, is it that different in the white house now? I hope, but I don't know. I mean, obviously now with the changes since Obama's, but then, you know, Trump brought a lot of that back. And then now with Kamala Harris, like hopefully, but I don't know. It does speak to what's going on there. Um, because I don't know if that has changed. Hollywood has changed, but has it changed in the White House? I don't know. Well, that's the thing is that when you when you when you watch this kind of movie, you do have to think like, oh god, like what kind of scrutiny are you put under as a woman in politics compared to men? Because I mean, you know, like uh, even Clinton there with um, uh, oh my god, what her name is completely escaping me, but Hillary. You know, she, uh, not Hillary, but the one that he had uh, the affair with that he, she like. Oh, Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. There we go. It yeah. was like on the tip of my tongue. And, you know, so it's it, it's not like politics were unfamiliar with like sex scandals and things like that. But uh, I mean, JFK allegedly used to have affairs with Marilyn Monroe. Um, and so with Joan Allen's character allegedly being in a gangbang, which, by the way, you're right, was just rape. Yeah. She was like fucking wasted when it happened. And she said that she could like barely. So yeah. Um, and they even said that she was super drunk whenever it happened. So yeah, that it, it was rape, but isn't it so fucked up that like when you watch that, it's like, that's not in this movie, the contender that, that, that is not even um, a perspective or an argument or part of the conversation at all. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's the scary part. I mean, so it is a little bit, um, it's it's a little bit reassuring that we've come a long way in terms of recognizing what consent means but like yeah yeah, like to just put that complete like all of the blame on her and you know she kept saying if this was a man a man sex like sex life I'm like yeah but this did not look like something consensual in Mm -hmm. any way like the Mm -hmm. level of intoxication that was involved and like it's I don't know it was just I was kind of just blown away also the way that the men spoke to the women (laughs) yeah oh i know wow yeah so i don't know like just a lot of belittlement a lot of like come here sweetie i'll call my girl like my secretary i'll get my girl on it like i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) it's so bad oh i know it's so bad but then you also had what wasn't it it was the female fbi agent that actually ended up taking down that that whole like the 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 competition uh by revealing that like uh he essentially killed that woman that fell off the bridge in the car and then like but what was the scene with sam elliott 
where she's like, sir, I really hope that I'm not like, I don't know, stepping out of line or saying something oh, inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, but she's like, it gives us hope if, if you have a female vice president, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you're right. That was stepping out of line. But then like, <laughs> yeah, but then like she ends up like being right. And also taking down the guy. And it was like, what was the point of that scene? Nothing. It was almost as if she was trying to play his game or something. I don't, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. There's a lot of things like that, that you're like, this was unnecessary. This is just blatant sexism. Like there's yeah, I know. not I know. needed. It's not even relevant to the story. I know there, there were, they had some moments where you were like, good for you, Joan Allen. But then there were other moments where it was just like, woof, like this is really, <laughs> this is really, this is really tricky. Whenever. So Gary Oldman said that it wasn't about being a woman, but it was only about her being a mom and a whore there weren't really a lot of questions oh. ever about her policies. And what was annoying about that was that like, it was like she was on trial for being a woman yeah. who had a life. Like it, it, yeah. Like some of this movie, it hasn't aged well, but it does <laughs> sort of make you reflect of like, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then totally. you're like, Oh God, like, what are we doing now that we don't know that in 20 years we're going to look back on and be like, yikes. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good way to look at it because it's, it's true. Like I'm, it's great to see how far we've come, but yeah, like, Oh, very hard to work, to watch. Also with it, I found it really hard to review her role in particular because her role was so small compared mm. to the male counterparts that she had. So like, which is ironic. Yeah, it's very ironic, especially if you're being nominated for a leading role. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I was surprised that she was nominated for this, not because she's not a great actress. And like, I've seen her in other things and I've really liked her um, in other movies. But in this particular film, I'm like, what? Why was this even selected? Like, to be really honest, I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that i love that so much because i find most people come onto this podcast and they're like so brave she's so brave amazing inspired and you're like why why was she even nominated i love that's really funny um anyone who goes out here and wants to watch the contender (laughs) from 2000 or 2001 get ready buckle up yeah Well, Kamala Harris probably wouldn't be a fan of this. Um, but I, you know, the the one, some of the moments that I really did like about the movie was the way that she really, her character really kept her cool uh, whenever she was basically being mansplained all the time. And mm-hmm. th- I love the way that she kept her cool whenever, like, you could just tell that she wanted to lunge across the table, but yeah. she would just very calmly and authoritatively just be like, you know, um, I shouldn't have to answer this question about the alleged gangbang because these questions wouldn't even be asked if it was a man. And that's actually a very, a very fair point. Now, to give a little spoiler alert, if you don't want to know the ending to this movie, uh, then like skip ahead. Uh, but a spoiler alert, it wasn't her. It was just that she was physically there that night, but she like went home and didn't do anything. But mm-hmm. it took a simple like oh yeah that's not me to make the whole thing go away but then she just kept saying that she shouldn't have to dignify any of that with a response because it's not fair because they wouldn't ask a man that question so even if it was her it shouldn't matter i okay 
I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I do understand what she's saying, but we are talking about the vice presidency. Mm-hmm. If, if it, if it could simply just take like, Oh yeah, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any, I don't think that makes you any less feminist to, to, to say that that's not you. I agree. And I do think like, obviously there's I've highlighted the heavy amounts of misogyny in this film and mm-hmm. in the white house. But mm-hmm. Um, I still think that whoever it is that's up for vice presidency, like you said, is going to be scrutinized. So if they have a history of anything, the media is going to go crazy. So anyone's going to have to speak about it. It may not be viewed in the same way from a woman and a man in 2000 or 2001 or now, but still mm-hmm. like so you're going to be up for more scrutiny than you're, than just the everyday Joe. Like that's the reality or Jolie, you know what I'm saying? No, 100%. But that's why I'm saying, like, if you have a gangbang in your closet, like, maybe you might want to bring that to the attention of, like, your political um, strategist team, you know, because that's, you might want to give them a heads up on that. Tell your publicist or tell your public affairs person, because, yeah, this is going to come up. Someone's going to find it. But, yeah, I mean, it does speak to why she was surprised since she wasn't the one involved. That speaks to what you were saying earlier about why she was so shocked, you know. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. again whoever it was this person was raped like right and yeah. I, I that's why it's just like blown my mind that no one even speaks about that but yeah i do True. recognize in the there's been two decades the conversation around consent has only really come to light since the me too movement on a public scale so mm-hmm. yeah i do think uh we there's a, we still have a long way to go but we have come a long way and watching a movie like this Yes. <laughs> Not how I want to spend my Saturday night, especially in quarantine. <laughs> like, Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, o- overall, like overall, like all of that aside, like I, I found the movie to be, um, like it kept my attention, you know, and I, I just couldn't figure out that whole opening scene with the woman drowning in the car. I was like, mm-hmm. when are they going to bring that back? Cause that was such a strange opening. And then you find out at the end that it was like planned and then you're like, Oh, okay. Cause I, I just was like, what the fuck was the point of that weird? I don't know if it was an accident or a suicide or I don't know what that was, but um, you know, entertaining yeah. movie, but very problematic. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't remember that scene until the end. I forgot about it. Cause I like, it, yeah, it was so separate from everything else. And you kept thinking for the first little while it was going to come back. And then I eventually, by the time they brought it up again, I was like, Oh yeah. Right. What about that? Mm-hmm. But she, you know, she she was very good in this movie. She was very calm. She was very cool. She was very collected. And I guess the whole purpose of her character was to just demonstrate, like, uh, integrity and strength and, like, American values. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I got that from her. But it, I guess you do kind of have to watch it understanding through, like, um, the lens of what socially it was like for women at that time. So... You know, I, I think that Joan Allen did the best that she could with what she had at yep. that time. I agree. And it's like, if you're in her position, are you going to take the role? Most people, most actors in that position are going to say yes. So right. I'm, I'm not, and it's no um, discredit to her work, but I just think that she should have been given more lines. She should have been given more of a substantial role for it to be nominated in this, in this, like as a as an actress in a leading role, you're the lead, but it didn't feel like that to me. It felt like a lot of it was the story and other people's reactions to the story. That that is a very fair point. I I, I do agree with that. Um, 
Okay, so let's talk about uh, Laura Linney <laughs> in You Can Count On Me. So this is a movie. You Can Count On Me is a movie uh, written by the guy who did Gangs of New York, um, uh, Kenneth uh, Long... Uh, Lonergan, I probably am pronouncing that wrong. Gangs of New York, Manchester by the Sea. Um, this is his first kind of um, Oscar nomination for writing. And it's a story about Mark Ruffalo being the screw up kid and Laura Linney, you know, making a lot of poor choices and staying in the small town. And then he comes home because like shit's bad at home. And, you know, it's really just like a human relationship story. And um, this is Laura Linney's first Oscar nomination. And um, first thing out the gate, first thing out the gate, Laura Linney, in my opinion, was the wrong choice for this movie because every time that I see Laura Linney, I just think a waspy woman from Connecticut. Like yeah. she's very like high society, very like she's Hold very them. well. Sp- exa- I just thought she was this role required like somebody a little bit more rough like remember how michelle williams like had like what is it like blue is the no what's that blue valentine and she she did like Mm. broke back mountain it's like she had that sort of like not like white trash but like small town rough life kind of like appeal to her characters and stuff like that it's like i would have liked to have seen her in that she was in manchester by the sea but laura linney like you're saying it's just too wholesome for this kind of role although i did find that kind of endearing and funny because it was funny to see Laura Liddy be like, yeah. I just slept with my boss. You know I, I know. Mean? Like, <laughs> I kind of found that funny. Like, and she is, I do find her entertaining. Like, I don't, I don't find her wholesomeness annoying, which I, okay. which um, you can find, I do find with certain actors and actresses. That, but you're right. Like, she's probably not the best um, choice for the role. But I like that she stayed to true to her Laura Liddy roots with with it like yep i'm playing this character that's very out of character for me but i'm still gonna be (laughs) laura linney and i'm gonna and i'm gonna be um you know talking about banging matthew matthew broderick which is funny him in that role too like that wasn't really a role i would see him in either um yeah yeah but yeah also can we talk about mark ruffalo a young mark ruffalo is very attractive. I don't think that I've seen him that young. Wow. <laughs> I am going to have to, that's a quick no for me. I do not really? find him, Yeah, he never did it for me. Never. Well, I, he never did it for me either until I saw him in this film because he's significantly younger. And I was like, whoa, hello, <laughs> Billy. I didn't even know that he, like, because I've seen him in other things and I just, he never, maybe because he's older or maybe because he's playing different characters. But in this movie, I was like, whoa. Hold the phone. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that says more about you. I'm not sure, but I just. Maybe. I was like, can people vote in on this podcast? Anyone who feels this way from watching, you can count on me. Please let Kyle know because yeah. I don't think I'm alone on this. I don't think I'm the only one. Well, well, we. I mean, I guess, I guess that'll be you know to be continued. But the thing that was such a turnoff for me in this movie was that Mark Ruffalo kept saying "man" every like fifteen <laughs> seconds. Sorry, man. Yeah, man. Whatever, man. Hey, man. It was like okay, like it was just very forced. Um, yeah. Also, do you remember how hot overalls were? Yeah, they're they're all wearing overalls in this film. Like yes. the child was wearing them. Laura was wearing them. I started. I had a pair of Tommy Hilfiger 
very large overalls and I was like I should find those but they were I was like 13 <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, that shit was that shit was so hot. I remember my sister; she was like, um, like basically twenty, uh, like when this movie came out, and she used to wear like overalls all the time. And I was like, "Wow, my sister's so cool." <laughs> <laughs> they are cool. I I I got a pair of sh- overall shorts two summers ago, and I still wear them in the summer. But it's not the same as the full pant overalls that mm-hmm. Laura Linney is rocking in these. And-, and she oh, and she is she is rocking those pants. <laughs> Um, I think that the saddest part for me, uh, one of my favorite, well, Laura Linney, I mean, Laura Linney's a really great actor. And whenever she, um, some of the scenes to me that like really stood out was um, whenever he finally comes to town and she's so excited to see him. But then like, he's actually only there to ask for money and he actually doesn't really care to spend that much time with her. Mm -hmm. And she tells him that she cleaned the whole house in anticipation of seeing him. And she basically just goes like, why didn't you just send me an invoice? Oh my God. That scene just like broke my heart. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. I thought it was really convincing. And um, I felt, it felt real. That part felt real. Her character really drove that. That was, yeah. Didn't you think that Mark Ruffalo was kind of the more interesting character? Well, yeah, I think I've highlighted my main interest. Yeah. Kept me in tight. <laughs> but then, yeah, when you come over, the, like, the person's attractive, and then, oh, okay, yeah, I'm actually enjoying their character. But he did say man and weird things that the writer thought that this uh, a person living an alternative lifestyle might say. Like, it did seem a little forced with some of the... Some of the slang, some of the Ruffalo sure. slang. The Ruffalo slang. But like <clears throat> with Mark Ruffalo, okay, fine. Let's just go right back to how cute he is. So the thing about Mark <laughs> Ruffalo is like, I don't, I think the reason why I, I could never really find him attractive is because I can't get past, I see, you know, like monks that like have that bald spot on their, like the crown of their head and they like make cheese and they wear like those brown robes. Yeah. Yeah. That is what I picture Mark Ruffalo doing in a past life. And I just can't get that visual <laughs> of him making cheese out of my mind. And I'm like, no. And he's wearing that robe. He's wearing the robe and he's gone. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, yeah. Even, I didn't even think of a bald Mark Ruffalo. I'm, I'm getting that image now. I mean, I can see it. I don't see him that way. I really don't it, see him that way, Kyle. I think it's going to be hard for you to <laughs> convince me otherwise. It's okay. Monk Ruffalo. Monk okay. Ruffalo. <laughs> um. He certainly was the the more interesting character. Um, I mean, the thing about Laura Linney in this movie is that the only kind of part where you really see where her character makes a lot of sense is that the reason why she keeps, you know, sleeping with her boss and there's that guy that's like, will you marry me? And she's like, eh. And, uh, you know, you she says, I feel, because the priest goes, why do you keep doing this? And why do you think you have all this pain? And then she says, Cause I feel sorry for them. Like all the mm-hmm. men in her life. She's like, I feel sorry for them. Mm-hmm. And then when she kind of says that, you're like, Oh, you're yeah. like, that's okay. That actually kind of makes sense because it's literally like, you're just trying to take care of everyone and everything, but you're not the victim in this situation. It's like everybody else around you is some kind of victim, but like you kind of just feel bad for them. So you're trying to help them out. And she has sort of this strength of character, like at the end, whenever Mark Ruffalo finally leaves, maybe he's going to Alaska and he's getting on the bus and she's just like crying and she's just like, I, you know, I'm being left behind in this small town and, and you're going off and I'm just going to stay back here. Um, she, it's She's handling it in like she's crying and stuff, but it's not like a sad 
sort of scene, it just sort of seems like she's just going to miss him. It's not like she doesn't feel sorry for herself. And I think that that's actually kind of like a little subtle, that's like a little subtle performance that I appreciated. Yeah, it was like a little bit of growth. Like you saw the character grow a little bit, even just yeah. on her end, even just on her end, if not his. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, this, this movie, I mean, even just the idea of people calling on the phone and stuff like I felt a lot of nostalgia watching this movie it wasn't just the overalls like it was like you know him getting on the bus and traveling I'm like oh yeah like it just doesn't life seems a little bit simpler then and that was kind of refreshing compared to the other movie which was like oh my god you know like this one was like oh yeah somebody's just getting on a bus you know and they don't have a phone and they don't have any way to contact them and you're like oh yeah Uh, movies 20 years ago not so bad yeah I think about that all the time where it's like back in the day, if you wanted to like watch a show, you had to be home. You had to be home like for Mm -hmm. that specific time. And then it was on. And then if you didn't tape it, you just missed it. And that was it. Yeah. And like, she highlights that too. She's like, I'll be at so-and-so's house. If I, if I'm not there, then I'll be back at this time. Like, it's not like, Oh, just text me. You know what I mean? Like just little things. You're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you, if you had to meet someone and you were late, like they just might think that you were dead, you know, like there's no way to (laughs) like that kind of thing. So it was, it was a nice little, that's the only option. It's it's only two options. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Late or dead. (laughs) Well, there was one thing about this movie that, um, there was one thing about this movie that maybe this was intentional. I'm not sure, but the tone of the movie was obviously this was a drama, but it also sometimes the way that Laura Linney played it or um, Ferris Bueller played it was very <laughs> like almost comedic sometimes. Yeah. Like the way that they would talk to each other at the office or the way that like Laura Linney would like react to certain things that like, um, you know, Monk Ruffalo was doing. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, um, her son, Laura Linney's son, Rudy, that's, um, Macaulay Culkin's brother Rory Culkin. I know, and I I didn't realize there was a Rory because there's Kieran who's on Succession who's amazing, and I'm like, why oh. did Macaulay get all of the? Have you seen Succession, by the way? No, great no, I've, or great no, show. I've never... Sorry, highly oh. recommend it. It's amazing. Anyone who's into like learning about a very wealthy family and just all the evil things they do do to each other, it's so good. Um, like the Macaulkins. Yeah, but it's not, it's based on the family that, I'm not sure which family, I think it's a family that owns CNN or one of the major news networks. Like, it's based off of that. Oh. And so it's just like that level of of. Oh, I've heard uh, of wealth. this. No, I have heard of it. I know, I know what you're talking, I've never seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about, it's, though. But Kieran Calkin is so good in that show. Like, just amazing. I was like, why did Macaulay get all the love? They've been holding out on Kieran all these years. And I didn't <laughs> even know there was Rory. Like, where did Rory come in? But yeah, that they yeah. all look somewhat similar. And you're like, oh, okay, I can I couldn't- see the resemblance. it's it's the lips i think it's like Mm -hmm. the lips and like the it's because i and the eyes like because i was looking at him and i'm like there's something about this kid that looks so familiar and then i was like looking him up and i'm like oh right he's macaulay culkin's brother Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean then they're just adorable children like you like and kieran culkin was fuller on the original home alone so he was he was had a small role in that movie do you remember oh. that? Do you remember when he's like, Filler had too much Pepsi or whatever, the one little kid and he pees? Oh, that's, that's the him. other I didn't brother. Know that. mm, that's Kieran, who's now in succession, all grown up. Great actor. Oh, good for him. Poor Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Poor Macaulay. Poor oh, guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Laura Linney, um, 
She had some great scenes. I, I, I would, for me, um, this nomination for me would have come down to about two or three scenes. Um, mm-hmm. You can count on me. You know, for me, I, I, I preferred uh, Mark Ruffalo in this movie to Laura Linney, but Laura Linney, you're right, had that sort of wholesome kind ofness, a little miscast, but you know, I didn't mind her. But she had, she had some solid scenes for me. Two, there were two or three scenes that really stood out to me. I also found it interesting that her, like Laura Liddy in this film, and then the majority of other actresses up for this award were all playing roles where they were like saying, damn the man, you know? And like three mm-hmm. of them were single mothers. She was a single mother. Julia Roberts' character is a single mother. And then Juliette Binoche's character, single mother. And then with Ellen Bernstein and with... Um, Burston, Burston. Burston, sorry. And um, who is the other one? Hold on. I have them written uh, down. Joan Allen. Joan Allen, right. Joan Allen. They're still the like... Record. Yeah, I mean, Ellen Burstyn was probably the one that was the least so. Although, I don't know. It's against the American dream. But anyway, point is, they're all saying, damn the man. So there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about... Um, <laughs> let's talk about Ellen Bernstein. Bernstein. Uh, Bernstein? Bur- Bernstein. Bernstein. <laughs> <laughs> Although Sorry. Ellen Bernstein sounds like, yeah, if you're hurt in a car, she'll get you some money. Um <laughs> I hope no one's offended that I pronounced her name wrong for Ellen Bernstein fans. I love her and I think she's great. <laughs> well, the reason why you may have said that, I don't know if you actually ever listened to this podcast before, but there uh, there was an episode where I was talking about my friend Leah. She calls Ellen Burstyn accidentally Alan Bernstein. <laughs> no, I haven't heard that, but I get yeah. where she's coming from. Certainly well, Bernstein looks like it. <laughs> if you look at it quickly. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> Ellen Burstyn, uh, one of my favorite actresses. Um, she's a great comedic actress. Mm-hmm. This is not a comedic role at all. Uh, no. Requiem for a Dream. And Requiem for a Dream, if you do not know what that means, a Requiem is a mass for someone or something that has died. And the Requiem in this case would be a dream. And the dream in this case would be, I mean, one could argue the American dream and how for many people that dream has died. They often get caught up in um, different types of addiction. The movie and the director demonstrated um, substance abuse with heroin, uh, but also Ellen Burstyn's character uh, was taking like uppers and things that were going to try and help her lose weight and stuff like that. And then they essentially like drove her into insanity. Um if you've never seen Requiem for a dream before, it's this really fun, lighthearted film for the whole family. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely Disney. Definitely yeah. Disney. I don't know why it's not on Disney Plus, as it should be. I know. <laughs> um, and by Disney, I mean Jennifer Connelly in a double-ended dildo. That's what I mean by Disney. <laughs> Um, everybody said that Ellen Burstyn was actually robbed of this Oscar. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody argued that um, Julia Roberts, how dare she win for Aaron Brockovich? Um, and we'll get into that. Um, but I think that this is, in my opinion, Ellen Burstyn's finest performance as an actor because she has to do so many different angles because she has to play, you know, the like, and they always have that weird, like, I think it's like a Jersey or like a Boston accent where mm. 
it's like at first she's that mother and she's a single mother and she lives alone and stuff like that. But then she starts slowly like going into insanity and then she's like half past crack. And then she's like on the subway and she's like, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on TV. And then she goes to a mental institution and then they start giving her electro thought shock therapy. And then she is just like a shell of what she once used to be. It It is such a difficult movie to watch and she is so good in this movie um she's amazing she's amazing in this oh my god like when she finds out that she's gonna be on tv and she looks at the old photo of herself wearing her red dress and she she longs for the days whenever she um considered herself to be so beautiful and you know she she had she had put on a lot of weight uh her hair color was like all gray and she really just kind of stopped caring for herself and um i think that that story resonates with a lot of people and it actually doesn't even really matter what age you're at there could be people that like when they were in high school let's say they were i don't know like a track star and they had a great body and they were thin and then maybe uh by the time that they get to 30 um they've i don't know let themselves go and they don't feel so confident anymore about themselves and their personal appearance this is a type of performance that you're talking about a parent-child relationship. You're talking about how uh, a woman values herself in society based on her physical appearance, um, mental health, addiction. Like, this performance for me was just, mwah. like, just, mm-hmm. Mwah. Mm-hmm. It really is for the whole family, because you spoke, you spoke <laughs> about what it appeal to. So really, no, I, I think that she did an outstanding job. Like, it... It, but I also would love to see how, like, I would have loved to have seen this movie come out now versus mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Because I think that it was a little ahead of its time I for think so too. an audience to really um, take in what what they were trying to do with this. And I think that it, the world just wasn't ready for something like this. So then it's it's sort of viewed as like a cult hit. And mm-hmm. I think now that people are talking about addiction and mental health more openly... Mm-hmm. I think the world would be more open to receiving this. And so I think it could have been more like, like it was still an acclaimed film, but I think it could have been like, I don't know if you can still use the term blockbuster level or whatever, but I think it could have been major had it been released now. Um, Mm -hmm. And that just speaks to how brilliant the writers and the directors were at the time, because like, yeah, it was amazing. And And the cast was also amazing too, not just her, but like all like Jared Leto, um and Marlon Wayans like all of the like just seeing them bring that other kind of dark side to their performance was um really really cool but yeah she I I thought she was I would definitely understand the point of people saying that she was robbed for this because yeah yeah, her range was out of this world so good so good so fantastic um some fun facts about this movie Dave Chappelle was offered the role of Tyrone Mm. Um, and Bancroft and Faye Dunaway were offered the role of Sarah, the role that Ellen Burstyn played. They turned it down. Um, And this is also another movie in the Jennifer Connelly eyebrow journey. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I literally, every single time that I see like, um, like, okay, like, let's say like the never ending, no, not the, the labyrinth. 
Uh, and then you see her in this, and then you see her in like a beautiful mind. It's like her eyebrows like slowly just keep getting smaller and smaller. Like they go from these giant Rook Shields <laughs> eyebrows to like these tiny little pencil thin little eyebrows. And like so this is this this is like midway through her eyebrow journey. Um <laughs> and uh the one thing that I love so much about by the way Jennifer Connelly is great in this movie uh the one thing that I love so much about this movie is the scene um where she is telling Jared Leto um when he comes to visit her and she's like so excited to see her son because she's so lonely and then um she explains why she's on the pills and why she's trying to lose weight and how she's going to be on tv and being on tv is a reason to get up in the morning and it gives her purpose and that even applies to somebody like in lockdown because it's literally like you get up, like what, if we're all in lockdown or we're all trapped indoors and stuff like that, it's like, what is the point of getting up in the morning? What is the point of like keeping busy and stimulating your mind and like not just going crazy? It's like, you have to find something that will give you purpose, something that will make you happy. And in this character's journey, it's like, she literally didn't have any of that in her life. Mm-hmm. And it is so heartbreaking to watch that the camera guy that was filming the scene, um, it actually, um, it, the the camera kind of falls off of her a little bit. It's because the camera guy filming actually was crying so much that he like lost control of the camera and they wow. kept it and they put it in the movie. Wow. It was such a whoa monologue and so sad. And so like, she was like a real living, breathing creature it's like I didn't think that this was Ellen Burstyn. It's like I believe that she was what was her name? Sarah Goldstein or whatever. And and uh, Alan no, I, Bernstein. I, no, but I actually, actually, I swear to God, I actually think her character's name was called uh, Sarah Goldstein or something. Um, but but just like wow, like just one of the best performances I've ever seen ever. Was- so good. Yeah, and I love the way that you describe her as a creature. Like, it was almost like she was living in lockdown, like almost like a self-imposed lockdown on her own for so long. And that is so sad. And the way that it spoke to the the American dream and Mm -hmm. the connection between that and addiction and and where that kind of... And also just, like, how many people monetize off of addiction. Like, that... Companies monetize off of addiction. Like, all of those things. Like, tapping into your most like your deepest insecurities and then finding ways to monetize that for major corporations is also it just spoke to so many things and I just thought it was so well done but yeah very dark film you can't unwatch it it's like a it's I don't want to just describe it as a car accident because I don't think that that's um a fair um way of describing it because I think the acting is phenomenal but you have to be in a certain mental space to watch it you know not you're not just gonna pop it in kind of thing like you're not yeah no no. Um, but you can't stop watching it once you start (laughs) so there you go i don't know well i got a little i got a little stoned when i was watching it because like i was watching everybody get high and i was like i'm gonna have fun too and so i like got a little stoned when i was watching it and that was a mistake because it just (laughs) made it more intense and i just yeah oh the paranoia starts to kick in oh all right, let's talk about Juliette Binoche and Chocolat. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of losing your fucking mind, Juliette Binoche. So, 
Okay, this is one of my favorite mom movies. I watched this movie with my mom many, many, many times. And Aww, that's nice. Basically, uh, basically, Chocolate, for anybody that has never seen this movie, is the story of a godless, unwed mother moving to a very problematic town. Mm-hmm. And she basically shows up with her, as it is referred, her daughter Anouk, uh, which I hate that name, but her daughter Anouk uh, is a illegitimate child because they don't know who the father is. And for the for the fifties in France, that was very no no no. Um, <laughs> Lena Olin, previously nominated um, uh, in nineteen eighty seven for uh, oh with angelica houston oh my god if bill antonio is listening to this he's gonna kill me i can't remember uh okay whatever fuck you i can't remember lena olin was nominated previously she should have been nominated for this movie actually i really love lena olin in this movie she's the one that gets like beaten up by serge yeah i liked her as well i thought she did a really good job oh she had such a like she had such a journey but of course judy dench you you can't trump judy dench um And basically, yeah, she uh, Julia Binoche comes into town and she opens up a chocolaterie and it's during <laughs> Lent and literally everybody is like, you whore. And it's just delicious. I love, 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 love this movie. I mean, where do, where do we start? I don't, I don't know where we start. <laughs> um... Yeah, I know. I I liked it as well. I watched. I rewatched it for this and hadn't seen it for a very very long time. I like that it it almost appeals to anyone who may have liked the um, Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> collection because oh. it's like it opens up that area at a time. I think that when people are just getting comfortable talking about sex in a way that's um, sort of reading between the lines so I like that and I like the way that opened up the town the way that she did that mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't know I I didn't I don't love this movie I'm not gonna lie so I don't want to like oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings Carl. <laughs> uh, I also have I have my own reservations against Juliette Binoche um oh really but, tell me more yeah. why well I I was trying to decide if I should divulge this on the podcast but here we go here we go. When I was a waitress working for the Toronto Film Festival, I wasn't working for the film festival, but I was working at an event that happened during the film festival. I served Juliette Binoche and she was the rudest person I've ever met in my life. So it's really hard for me. Wow. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. So it's really hard for me to see her in this role because she's like, hello so uplifting and I'm so great and and she wasn't like that at all in my interactions with her so it is a little bit of the whole never meet your heroes thing not that she was my hero hero, but like she it was yeah she she had her publicist with her and when I asked to take her order she answered to her publicist and her publicist answered to me and we were standing yeah so I, I was trying wow. to decide whether or not to divulge that, but it is true. It did happen. And uh, so, yeah, it's hard for me to watch and have a, have a completely um, unbiased opinion of someone. Was this in Toronto? It was. 
And uh, what, like, what other interaction was that? Or did she say anything else to you? Or was she literally just continuing to like only say, tell the waitress that I said? And like, did she ever back turn to you? Um, she sort of had her shoulder turned to me. And when I said, asked her, like she, when I, she thinks she ordered some tea or something. And I asked, okay, do you want anything on the side? She then spoke again to her publicist and was like, I feel a draft it's getting cold. And then, so then the publicist like demanded the service staff did something. And so a bunch of the service staff came and like closed down. Um, there was like a tarp that it was on, a, it was an outdoor patio and everyone had to run and like close the tarp. <laughs> so yeah, it was an ongoing thing. Wow. So she's very much okay. So Julia Vinoche is very diva. Like I'm kind of obsessed with that. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's an attractive thing for some, maybe not, but that was my impression. And, you know, you always, I've served a lot of different famous people in my days and there's been some really wonderful ones, but this was one of the not so fortunate experiences. So yeah, hard to give a like I said, non-biased opinion on her acting. <laughs> wow. Oh, that. sure. Did she give you a good tip? Uh, no. I, I think that it was, it was, I think she only had, like she didn't eat a meal. It was like just tea. Because it was in an event space where people could come and uh, do a okay. number of different things there. So yeah, it was more just like, I'm here waiting for, I think she was being interviewed. Wow. Oh my God. That's really funny because Julia Binoche, I don't really think that people in this generation would even really know like Gen Zers. I mean, I don't even yeah. think they would know who she is. Even, even Gen Wires because she was so big in Europe, like so big in France. And then yes, of course the English patient, but other than that in Chocolat, like, I don't know how many, I haven't, I don't know her whole like history of English films, but that's mm-hmm. about all I know her from. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh well uh yeah well fuck you Juliet Binoche. No, um, no, so I wasn't sure should I divulge maybe there's some big Juliet Binoche fans out there if you are I'm sorry these things happen it's unfortunate I'm not lying I wish I was I wish the story didn't exist then I could be <laughs> completely you know I could just come be very objective but I can't Oh, I love that. You see, the thing is, I mean, when I think about like all actors and actresses and stuff like that, and people are like obsessed with watching them on like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel Live or like funny little things like carpool karaoke and stuff like that. It's Mm -hmm. like, especially with actors, it's like, it's like, I think people are so naive because it's literally like, do you actually think that's Meryl Streep that they're interviewing? Do you actually think that that's like Bradley Cooper? It's like these people are extremely brilliant at creating personas Mm -hmm. that are likable to a major like worldwide audience. So they probably have crafted a public character, but then in real life, they're probably fucking nightmares. Yeah. I love it when people say, Oh, I met this famous person and they were so nice. It's like, well, Let's hope so. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. (laughs) They probably said hello to you. Like, that's what most human beings should do in that kind of a situation. Like, what is so nice? Like, what is the definition of that? Like, you know, by default, you would hope that that's what most people would be, right? And I get Mm -hmm. it. Like, it's exciting, you know, and you always wonder how someone is going to be. And like I said, I've served other actors before who have been just lovely, like Danny DeVio, Rhea, Rhea Perlman. They were absolutely amazing. Uma oh my Her- god Uma that's Thurman. amazing that you brought that up oh Uma Thurman I love her so lovely Anthony Kitos from the Red Hot Chili Peppers like people who are absolutely and you've lost me 
all of those names were very, very kind, especially Danny DeVito and Rhea Perman. I'll never forget that because they were lovely. So I'm just saying, you remember the wonderful experiences too, right? But um, yeah, I do think you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat someone who is serving them. Eh, well, Julia Panouche, she's French. Most French people are quite rude. That's the thing. <laughs> um, so um, in this movie, Chocolat, she's supposed to be like half Navajo, but she's obviously just white. So cultural appropriation. And um, <laughs> what I would love to see a sequel to Chocolat, because talking about Julia, Julia Pinoche's performance in this movie, you know, it's a feel good performance. It's mm-hmm. very like Gwyneth Paltrow in... Shakespeare in love. Yes. You know, there's, it's just, she's just lovely in the movie and she's fun to watch. And, you mm-hmm. know, she had the, the only kind of couple moments that she has is when Johnny Depp, which by the way, remember when everybody was like, Oh my God, that Johnny Depp really <laughs> baked my potato. Like, <laughs> I think this yeah. movie, this movie is what did it. Or this was one of the, one of the big ones for him. Like, as oh, soon yeah. as they saw him appear, he just appeared on the side of the, with that boat, you know? Like, that's where they got the idea for him to be Jack Sparrow, for sure. They're like, you know what? He Probably. does well in a boat atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, I can see him on a ship. Let's put him on another <laughs> one. <laughs> that, that, that fits. That fits. Mm-hmm. But what I, the, I think the, the part that was her Oscar moment that also just fucking made me laugh so hard is whenever she's trying to convince Johnny Depp that Anouk loves their lifestyle and loves moving around and loves like going to new places. And then she just starts crying. And then she's like, actually she hates it. I just, that (laughs) scene always makes me laugh. And you're like, right, this is supposed to be serious, but you know, I love this movie and I, I love her in it, but it's just sort of like, you know, is it this big like Oscar worthy role? Like, I don't know. It just kind of, it was a little rom-com territory for me. Mm-hmm. I do like that that scene too, though, where she said that she hates it because she, um, I love seeing a character break, like, or anyone break character, whether like you and I both do stand up. I love seeing that on stage too. Like I love seeing someone break character and in a very, and she did do that in a very genuine way. So I like that. But yes, it does have like that whimsical feel. It does feel like a little bit of like a beauty and the beast Yes. Set up. I was thinking okay? the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see a sequel to the movie where it's like an interracial gay couple that moves into the same town and opens like a juice bar. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that. See that? Yeah. Really more my alley. <laughs> I would like just, I would just like to see what goes down. Like how soon do they get hate crime? Like, is it immediate or is it like going to be a little bit, um, whenever, um, not to Juliet's performance, but whenever, um, uh, uh, Judy Dench's grandson for her birthday gives her the drawing that he did of her and she cries and she says that you made me look younger okay as an actual professional artist no he did not he made her look Asian Let's <laughs> get super true. real I didn't think about that you're right yeah I was like whoa <laughs> I was like you are that's very okay that's yellow face that's not appropriate Ooh, um, true yeah, Julia, I, I love this movie. I, I also love whenever she thought that Anouk had died. Um, I hated that stupid fucking, I've always hated that dumb kangaroo pantouf. It's like this annoying little, <laughs> the annoying little imaginary friend that offers nothing to the movie. Um, yeah. And I realize it's supposed to demonstrate that she's grown up, but it just was a, it was a, a stretch for me. Yeah, um, and it was not needed. You could have just gotten I, that. 
I think yeah, we all I don't know. Understood without the. Yeah. I love this movie. I love, love, love this movie. I, I'm glad that she got nominated for an Oscar. It was, it was a fun movie. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I uh, it's more sort of like good for you, Juliette Binoche. But at the same time, like you know, you get your publicist to order for you. So fuck you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Now, let's talk about our winner. And I'm so glad that you brought up Danny DeVito because that was my first point. Danny DeVito actually produced Aaron Brockovich. And he got nominated for an Academy Award for producing. It's the only Academy Award he's ever been nominated for. Oh, that makes me so happy. I didn't know that. I love Danny DeVito. Love him. Uh, So Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich. This, This movie, I remember this movie was like, a fucking juggernaut of a movie. I remember everybody saw this movie. Everybody was talking about this movie. This is Albert Finney's fifth nomination, still zero wins. Oh, well, I mean, he's dead now, but you know. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the first time that an actress ever won an Oscar, a Screen Actors Guild Award, a Golden Globe, a British Academy Award, and the Critics' Choice for the same role. So it's not like she beat Ellen Burstyn, Bernstein, uh, like, you know, just like, just for the Oscar. It's like, she literally won like every single award. And, you know, it is, there is something to be said about the fact that this movie, Aaron Brockovich was, I mean, I've seen this movie like a billion times. I would definitely watch this movie more times than I would watch, um, you know, Requiem for a Dream or Chocolat or something like that. And, I love Aaron Brockovich, the character, the real Aaron Brockovich, who is the waitress in the movie for like two seconds, um, literally said that the movie was like 98% accurate. Um, It's kind of like the climax of Julia Roberts's 90s career because it just kept, she was like the hottest star in the 90s and this kind of like was her little crowning achievement. And I think that a lot of people don't really regard her performance as being really that amazing in this movie because they're like, well, we've seen this from Julia Roberts before, which is true, but it's like so much better than it ever has been. It's like, this is Julia Roberts at her absolute finest. At her peak. And it was at her peak for sure. <clears throat> it was definitely her, it was definitely her peak. And it, 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 it it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, she's just so good at it and she's just so fun to watch. And she's just, it's just such a nostalgia thing watching this movie. And like, I mean, frankly, I can see why she won all of these awards. It, it, I love this performance. I love this movie. Also, uh, George, the neighbor is like as a fucking like Harley riding, like biker (laughs) gang dude is like hot as fuck. And I never thought that I would say that, but like really fucking hot in this movie. And like, Mm-hmm. I just yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> you like that 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 outfit he was wearing, his like that leather vest with that American oh. flag hat, oh. and long beard, with, uh, <laughs> with the ponytail, like <laughs> oh, Kid Rock, like he looks exactly like Kid Rock, but he is a hot man dressed as Kid Rock, like that. I know, funny. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just like so disgusting, but like yes, come and have sex with me, like absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I I don't know I I can see like I said before I can tell I can see why people would feel that Ellen Burstyn Burstyn was robbed for sure but even just looking at like taking a step back and looking at the two films like Requiem for a Dream is a commentary on the American dream being a lie and 
Aaron Brockovich is the American dream. Like that's the dream of going rags True. to riches. Like that's yeah. what that is. So yeah. uh, like people love to watch that. People love to feed into that. And like, even now you were saying, this is something that you could just throw on at any point and watch. Whereas um, because it, it just doesn't get this, old. It doesn't because of the nostalgia. And yes, because Julia Roberts is such a sweetheart. Like she's so likable. You can't help. Like it's unfair how like beautiful and charming she is. Like it's not fair. She was nominated for the as the most beautiful actress in Hollywood by People magazine. And she won five years in a row. I don't know if they're in a row, but five years. And that's the that she's the only person who's won that many times. And you get it. Like she has that star power. As soon as she's mm-hmm. on screen, you mm-hmm. can't help but watch her. Like that's just how she is. Like she is captivating it's so true it's so true and the thing about julie roberts in this movie is just like how sassy she is like i mean there's so many great lines you know where it's like they're arguing for more money and then they're like absolutely not like there are reasons why people could have you know these uh diseases or anything like that and then she goes oh by the way we brought that water in special for you got it from a well in hinkley and then they refuse to drink the water or whenever she's like that's all you got lady two left feet and fucking ugly shoes it's like this movie it's just so (laughs) quotable and iconic and um the only thing that I don't love about this movie is the fact that like she has this like rockin' yoga bod and you're literally like, Kay, you can barely afford rent. Like yeah. what where do you have time to like have this exactly. amazing she's like yeah. eating a can of diced tomatoes at one point and you're like, yeah. Oh, it, that <laughs> tomatoes renders a very nice physique, Julia Roberts. <laughs> Especially from a can. I agree. Like and just like and she flaunted it which i get like i understand that part of it but it was just um yeah it was like she's just this hot woman like you're like is that someone that hot really living that lifestyle it it is hard for me to believe it was hard for me to believe that a few times when she just had like this 10 month old baby like you just had a baby how do you look like that after 10 months like the baby just came out of your body you have not one bit of fat on there what is going on no, yeah. I also love the 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 worst part of the movie. The what like it is like nails on a chalkboard is whenever the the kid, her son, um, near the end, sort of really starts to realize why she's not home all the time and why she's fighting for why she's fighting against Hinkley and he's going through one of her files and then he realizes that like one of the kids is like his age and it's suddenly like real for him. And then he offers to get Julia Roberts in the hotel. He's like, do you want me to bring you some eggs? And then she's like, eggs would be great. The way (laughs) that, Oh, the way that she says eggs would be great. It literally like, it is, I don't know why it's so triggered. Like I just like, I, I hate it's nails on a chalkboard. The way that she says that line, it just, eggs would be great it's like oh my god i hate i hate that line i hate the way that she says it it's such a fucking triggering triggering scene like i would purposely vote against her just so that she wouldn't win because of that one line (laughs) because she really comes close to the edge with how much you know like how much the audience loves her that it's like by doing something like that like just a line like that that over the edge you know what i mean like it's like okay fine we love you america's sweetheart like there really is a movie that she was in called America's Sweethearts, but that's who she oh, was, yeah. certainly in the 90s. Like, she was America's Sweetheart. Still is, like, but not the same way that she was then and in the 2000s. But, like, 
Yeah, like you just can't take your eyes off of her. Everybody's watching. That's the reality. Also, I looked up the real Erin Brockovich just out of curiosity, and she, 13 years later, got a DUI from smashing a boat into something when she was drunk. Just a little bit of information I found while looking up this film. I did know that. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I actually did know that because um, obviously since the movie came out, no one really heard anything from her. Mm -hmm. I mean, the real Erin Brockovich. And then, yeah, that was it. I was on like Entertainment Tonight. I remember it was like, Erin Brockovich was like uh, arrested for drunk driving a boat. (laughs) I was like, what? What? Yeah. But I mean, her name has become so famous because of that film and because of Julia Roberts. Also, there's something with America in particular that loves that whole concept of that story. Like they did the yes. similar thing with the with the Blind Side. You know what I mean? Like getting um, mm-hmm. uh, Sandra Bullock rags to riches. Character. Yeah, that rags to riches and and oh, and like just you know, you're really on our side. Like there's something about that whole thing that seems that America was just swept up in. I don't know if it's still like that now. Um, I mean, I say Canada, too, because the, those movies were well-known here. But, I mean, it's just because mm-hmm. they were based there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see if something like that would do well now. like taking or Well, then they went into Monster with, uh, with uh, Charlize Theron. And that was a different, yeah. that was a different take. That went another route. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and well, she won and the he- Oscar, too. She won the Oscar as well. Oh, so that that's maybe that's the secret, but it, mm-hmm. it's funny because I mean, you know, Julia Roberts, you know, she kind of did the same thing in, in Pretty Woman, you know, where it was that rags to riches mm-hmm. kind of narrative. And the thing about Julia Roberts is like, does she have tremendous range? No, not really. But whenever she's just on and she's just being super Julia Robertsy, it's just so amazing and I love it so much. And like like you're saying, it's like you can't take your eyes off of it. Um just this whole performance and this whole movie, I just love it. And I just like I love her in this movie except for Exit Be Great. And <laughs> I just yeah like I, I am such I'm such a fan of this movie and I'm such a fan of her in this mm-hmm. movie. And if I'm being honest with you I have no idea who I'm going to pick as my winner because I'm actually genuinely torn. I'm like, I know, oh my me God. Too. Me too. Also, you have to acknowledge the fact that this is Julia Roberts and featuring Julia Roberts' tits. That's a big part of the yes. film. Yes. Everyone knows that. That's what you think of that is affiliated with Aaron Brockovich because they look perfect and they are there the whole time, you know? So they should get a nominee or at least a mention. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Some of those outfits woof, but like, yeah, her, uh, I love whenever um, her boss, Albert Finney comes in and he's like, "Um, you know, uh, all the girls are at lunch. And why aren't you with the girls at lunch? She goes, Oh, I guess I'm just not the right kind of girl. I, that line, that kind of resonated with me because, like, I find it kind of, like, hard to, like, hang out with comedians a lot. And it's sort of, like, all the comedians will, like, hang out and I won't because I just, like, I don't really fit in with a lot of comedians, which is probably a good thing. Uh, But literally, it'll be like, oh, why aren't you hanging out with the comedians? I'm like, I guess I'm just not the right type. When she says that line, it, like, really resonated with me. But then where she loses me is whenever he's like, by the way, um, you know, I think that now that this you're working in an office, you just need to be dressing a little bit more professionally. Which, by the way, she literally looked like a hooker. And she was (laughs) like, well, I think I look nice, so fuck you. Maybe you want to rethink your outfit, your tie. She's like... (laughs) 
And as long as I have one ass instead of two, I'm going to keep wearing what I want. It's like, you could get fired for that. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I, I even said that, like, I was as I was watching, I was like, well, no, yesterday she was just wearing a bra with a yeah. through sheer on top of her. So, like, that's all you see. Like, that's all you see. I, I understand what she's saying, but you can also, you know, yeah. Keep- not put other people you work with in an uncomfortable position, but she's basically saying, I'd rather have my tits out than have lunch with the gals. <laughs> exactly. And that, that was her character's number one motivation. <laughs> <laughs> the bus um, led the way. They led the way. Yeah, there, there were, yeah, there, there were a lot of, there were a lot of things in this movie that uh, I, I found just kind of, kind of really funny uh, but anybody listening to this hey maybe don't maybe don't say that to your boss you know maybe don't snap at your boss like that when you're clearly in the wrong um okay well listen this is going to be really difficult but i think that we actually have to pick like who we want to win the oscar so i'm going to let you go first i think the oscar should have gone to alan burston <laughs> you got it. Yes. <laughs> I'm giving it to Ellen. I, okay. I, I love it. And why? Because her performance was out of this world. And just based on that alone, she, I've never, I have never seen someone deliver that much range when it comes to a film that talks about mental health and addiction in that way. And it's fascinating. So yeah, I just love, I just think she was, yeah, I do think she was robbed. I get why the selection was made with Julia Roberts, but I just really think that she, like, just to invoke that many emotions from your viewer, she does that. She brings that. Mm-hmm. So I, I give it to her. All right. Okay, I'm going to go. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm actually, I, I haven't even read my mind. I'm going to, like, just say it without even thinking. Okay. <laughs> so I think I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Julia Roberts. Oh fuck. I'm gonna say I am gonna say Julia Roberts just because uh like I don't believe in ties. This would be such a tie for me, but like I don't believe in ties. It's just Julia Roberts is so nostalgic for me, and this movie was such a big deal for me. And like I just love the idea of Julia Roberts having an Oscar and if there was any movie that was gonna get her an Oscar, it would have been this. Ellen Burstyn was the superior performance. It was a much, much more technical uh, performance, such skill, probably her best acting um, like of her career. However, the difference was that Julia Roberts's performance connected with, with so many people and it was it res it just meant so much to people and i just don't think that requiem connected to people and like you were saying before i think it was before its time it it very much was a timing thing and i just yeah i it does seem so wrong like giving it to julia roberts over ellen burston but i just love julia roberts in this movie so much i'm going to give it to julia roberts i'm so sorry ellen burston i get it though and i think it's great that we each chose one because even though there are no ties that's kind of a tie you know it's kind of a tie yeah no 100 percent. all right Mm -hmm. all right so this this was this was a very difficult this was a very difficult year Mm -hmm. um but but we did it 
Um, Dina Jackson, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast again. We'll definitely have you back in the future. If people want to find Dina online, it's at Action D Jack. And uh, do you have anything coming up that you would like to plug or anything that you would like to advertise? Uh, no, because I will be living inside a cave until there is a <laughs> uh, vaccine. But um, yeah, you can check Same. out my comedy album. It's called Blue Lights and it's available on Comedy Records. And thank you, Kyle. This is so fun. Well, you are welcome, Delicious. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends, tell your gays, and we will see you next two weeks. Bye! Bye! <laughs>